hopefully somebody listening has kids, but it's a great show. Welcome to the Yak Sports Podcast with Joe Deck and Leland McRae. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Yak Sports Podcast. I'm Joe Deck. Leland McRae is here as well. I will let Leland get on the mic here in a second. But last week when I was giving my doomsday scenarios, Leland laughed. And oh, also my optimistic scenarios. Leland laughed because he said there's no way Virginia Tech doesn't make a bowl game and there's no way UVA could win the Coastal. Well, one week later, uh, UVA is now the favorite to win the Coastal. And but Virginia UVA Tech beat looks UNC. like UVA or Virginia Tech looks like they might not even make a bowl game. It is getting a little scary about the bowl game. UVA, UVA beat UNC. I don't think I was arguing that they could beat UNC. Yeah, I, but then Miami lost to Boston College. Well, maybe they do. I mean, you know, good for them if they do. They've sucked forever. It'd be good if they finally do something well for their fan base. I don't want to see it. I don't think it's going to happen. But, I mean, it's a cyclical game. They were good 30, 40 years ago. I guess it, their, their cycle's back up. Yeah, my problem with is with Virginia Tech, though. And you have been saying I've just been super negative and negative all the time. And I my favorite, you know, pastimes to hate on Virginia Tech. Uh, and look, I, I did send a tweet to our friend of the podcast there, Mike Barber. And it wasn't because I necessarily I mean, I do value Mike Barber's opinion on it, but I kind of he's in the room. I was kind of hoping somebody was going to ask one day. Nobody apparently did. Well, what is the story behind putting a kid to return a punt inside his own 20 for the first time in his college career when he has a history of dropping passes. That makes no sense to me. You put him in in a crucial moment of the game. After that fumble, the game was over. It completely changed. Virginia Tech did not have an answer. And I'm sorry, what's more troubling is Justin Fuente is 0-3 against a not very good Georgia Tech team. And I, I, think, I, I, don't, I think that is troubling. And, and I'm tired of the excuses that he gave. Well, no one else plays a triple option. Yeah, well, no one else in the ACC seems to struggle like this against him either because other teams can figure it out, which, by the way, you had an extra week to prepare. What did you all do during the bye week? I, I, this defense looks totally not prepared every week we come out on the field, and I get that some of it is that they're young, but some of it is that maybe they're just not very good. And that that's a bigger problem. I saw the little tweet you shared with me, too about Dabo Sweeney's first three years and Justin Fuente's first three years. Uh, my, my only counterpoint would be, where are the five-star recruits that Justin Fuente is recruiting? He's not even playing his four-star recruits. So uh, what are we talking about here? We're talking about apples and oranges. Well, I will say it's troubling that we can't beat Georgia Tech. I think that's obvious. I, I expect better from Bud Foster. I just don't understand why it's not coming. I'm more, my issue with the coaching is that it's, it seems so mental against Georgia tech the other night after that fumble punt, you know, we're trading scores. And then after that fumble punt, you know, that's one thing that goes against you. And then all of a sudden it's just like mentally we were beat. And, you know, at the moment we weren't beat, you know, like it looking back, Hey, that was the turning point, but we weren't beat. We still had our chances. We still had our opportunities and, but mentally we weren't there and we could never recover. That's my bigger issue with the coaching is why our team isn't mentally prepared to be in a battle like that. If our defense isn't going to stop anybody, then we're going to have to be in a lot of battles and we're going to have to trade scores with people. And, you know, I guess we did it kind of at the end of the UNC game a couple of weeks ago. So I just don't see why we couldn't have done it in this game. Um, it, it was 
it was very disappointing. I, the reason I don't want to talk about tech much, I, like the reason I'm all, let's move on from this and in our prep for this podcast is it's, because it's you're wrong. Because I'm wrong and you're right, and I hate it. I hate that like yeah. all this negative talk is accurate. But well, it, but here's uh, the thing, Leland. Kind of fan I am. I know, but th- here's the thing, and this is see, I'm not the fan you are either. I, I, you are a very positive fan, and you never want to say anything negative about the program. And you know what? I, you're not the only one out there that's like that. But I'm not one of those fans. I take the blinders off, and I can see – I try to view things objectively. And objectively, this team isn't good. They're not even average. Well, maybe they're average. Maybe they're 6-6 six and six, or 6-5 six this year because we don't I, have 12 games. So maybe, we'll, maybe we're 6-5. and five. But this, yeah, that, that looks like a stretch right now. that ACC championship week quickly. <laughs> yeah, th- that looks like a stretch right now because Georgia Tech was the easiest team on your schedule, and you lost by 21 points at Lane Stadium. So Boston College being at home is means nothing to me. Well, we're a dog. We're a home dog to Boston College. I mean, that's crazy. Being home at Lane Stadium means nothing to me anymore. That's a team that Lane Stadium is no longer a fortress. That playing at home is just means you don't have to go on the road to lose now, in my opinion. <laughs> Fuente just looks totally incapable. Uh, the penalties, the bad <sighs> mistakes, the mental mistakes, that's coaching. So maybe next time when I say give you my doomsday scenario, you don't laugh it off and you don't say, oh, this is impossible. This is Virginia Tech we're talking about. Well, speaking of your projections, I sent you a tweet the other night that said Texas is going to get beat by Oklahoma State. You did. And you and said I was wrong. And, and you were wrong. So, yeah, I can argue when I want to. So we'll just deal with that. That's fine. Uh, and, but here's the difference. I say when I'm wrong and I'm like, yeah, you were right, Leland. You I just it. said you were right about this and I just didn't want to talk about it. I didn't want to dwell on this. You're right. You were right. I was... Uh, more optimistic to begin with. And then I think we all got sold on fool's gold with Florida state and that first oh, they game. Suck. And, and, and ever since then, it's just Florida been state, bad. by the way, also not going to a bowl game. No. And our problem isn't at quarterback. Like you've dwelled on and, and kept saying, and these last couple of weeks you haven't, I haven't, quarterbacks been. Because uh, it's been I haven't defense. said it since Ryan Willis problem. took the job officially. I haven't said that Ryan Willis has been the problem. Defense has been the problem. And I think, uh, I think putting Josh Savoy back there was the problem because you can say that, yes, we didn't respond to adversity, but why should we have had to respond to it? Why is a guy who's never returned a punt in the most crucial part of the game to that point, returning a punt inside his own 20 yard line? It makes no sense. We'll never know because nobody wanted to ask him because the Virginia tech football coach might as well be the Pope. You can't ask him any tough questions ever because he might get offended and you might get kicked out of the room because Justin Fuente doesn't make mistakes only the kids who have success on the field and don't focus at practice make mistakes. <laughs> so I get it. Let me, I, I want to end just, on this. I still have hope. I just still have hope. Okay. Let's say they not do the season, but let's, I think Quinte is not a, some terrible coach and incapable. I think it's, it, he's got to get it turned around. That's I, my I have a couple other things I want to ask you before you move on and they'll be quick. One, if we lose to Boston college, the coastal is over. Do you support pulling Ryan Willis at that point for either Quincy Patterson or Hendon Hooker just to see what we have? I'm fine with that. I'm not against it. Um, I wouldn't be yelling about it on this podcast like you probably will, but I, I, will. I, I like when, when uh, Quincy gets in the games. I, I like when Quincy's got him before, so I want to see what Quincy can do because I am kind of hopeful that he might be the answer next year. So, yes, I'm, I'm for it, I guess. Okay. I talk myself into it. And last one, if we miss a bowl game. God. What would you do with Fuente? Because I would fire not, him. It's inexcusable. Not, no, no, not firing him. You don't lose to ODU and miss a bowl game. Yeah, I'm not firing him after this year. I don't care. Mm, okay. 
I don't care. I, I mean, like, I see what Texas has done, and I know they jumped up to whatever and they lost. But like, I, I, I not just Texas. Other schools have like cycled these coaches in and out. Florida has got had a couple coaches through there. I think you just got to let a program breathe a little bit, and I think you can look about look back at lessons that Virginia Tech did with Beamer when they probably should have fired him in the early nineties around 90 and they kept him, And then he, he made that program into what it is okay, or what it, what it could be. And so I think you learn those lessons and, and you, you ride the horse. I would agree with you if Fuente struggled his first year, but Fuente has been declining. His teams have been getting worse every year. So if he doesn't make a bowl game this year, what's he going to do next year? Go. Oh, and 12. I'm not, I'm not pulling the trigger this year. I don't care. I'm not. You're not going to convince me of that. We could lose out, and I'm not going to say we should fire him. Oh, we lose out. He's got to go, but okay. I don't agree. All right, Leland, you can take us to Riverheads. <laughs> I know the way. Uh, man, <laughs> I'll just say, and you don't know what to compare this to, but that win Friday night by Riverheads was old school. I mean, it was... It was like what I used to stand on the sidelines and watch with football pads on. It was very good. It was a team that might be favored really coming in there, a team that's high in 2A, and Riverheads just controlled the game. They let their best player get two 50-plus yard plays, and Riverheads still controlled that game. And even when it was 13-7 to Central, it just still felt like Riverheads was going to win that game. And uh, it, was a, it was rainy, and it was bad. I mean, it was just kind of a miserable weather night, but there was excitement in the air because of how the team looked. And it just makes me excited about what they're going to do the rest of the way. And I know people are probably rolling their eyes. Oh, Riverhead's winning. Why are you getting excited? That happens every year. I just like the style it was. And it was tough nosed. The defense was standing out. I liked it. Yeah. I mean, I don't know, Leland. I, I picked Central and I did actually think Central was going to win this game going in. I guess I was surprised at how well Riverhead's handled them and the margin of victory there at the end. But the more I thought about it this weekend, the more I was like, yeah, but I mean, Riverheads is really good and they're going to win one. A, I thought they were going to win one a before this game. I think they're going to win one a after this game. I don't know if if they play like that. No one's within 35 points of them the rest of the way. Yeah. But uh, I mean, that's my point. So I, I think to me, it just proves central's not winning the region. Any shadow of a doubt that you had on East Rock is gone now. I think it'll. I think it'll be a game. I, I no. I'm looking at matchups with the lines. I think both big lines. Um, they both have speed. Clanton's going to chase Evans down. Yeah, Clanton's but Clanton's be not running away. Huh? Clanton's not running away, like he does against other teams. Yeah, and so, I mean, Riverheads mistakenly gave him the ball one time. Uh. Other than that, I don't, I don't know. I, th- I think it's still going to be a battle. I'm not going to go into that game right now just assuming East Rock's going to roll them by any means. I 21. think it's going to be a good game that Central has a chance for. That's my opinion. Um, other where in the district, a bunch of blowouts. Uh, you know, on radio on Friday night, we try to talk up a game, a lot of those games being tight. A- every one of them blowouts. Um, all it does is set up for a week where, you know, it's just positioning in Region B to B now. It's still the same eight teams, like you were saying. Uh, Wilson's most likely just going to wind up the eight seed. They're going to have to win to get out of that spot. Um, but everybody that's in the top eight is going to be there. The top three is set. 
Um, Central could drop to three if Larray beats East Rock. East Rock's number one either way. I don't see that happening. Um, Clark County is likely going to be the four seed, so that means uh, come radio next week, we'll probably have to go up the road to cover one of these games. Yeah, well, enjoy it while you can because I, I think the Shenandoah District's going to be short-lived uh, in terms I, of Augusta County teams in uh, 2B. I think what's interesting, and if I can get the uh, right thing up here, Region B and PowerPoints, I have Lehigh sitting in the five seed playing Clark in one of my predictions. I have them sitting, and that's one of my that's with Wilson winning. Um, but I got Lee sitting in the six seed playing Loray. And that's like the best two, chance to win. Two of my options, yeah. And I think Loray can go, or Lee could go over to Loray and win. They have to take care of business against draft this week to be sitting in that spot. But, you know, Loray, they beat a Loray team, and then they're facing a number two seed, Central. And that's a team that they really outcoached last year. And that game, you know, Central was the favorite team last year. I just wonder if if Lee can put a game plan together to, you know, kind of make up the difference from what we've seen on the field this year. No, their defense is not as good this year as it was last year. And I don't disagree. It's just going to be an interesting matchup if we get to that. But either way, East Rock is going to be lead in that district and uh, they're going to be at home until someone comes, knocks them off. So that'll be interesting. The other thing that I think was decided this week was Riverheads is going to be at home until they go to Salem. And uh, they've sat in this position for, they've just never advanced all the way through the playoffs doing this. They've never hosted that state semifinal. So it, it should be a good thing if they're able to get that far uh, to host that game for the first time should be pretty interesting. All right, Leland, last thing we're going to talk about in terms of the high school football playoff stuff is Fort Defiance. Their season is over. They got the win against Waynesboro. They're five and five. To me, they're in. They're in at the eight seed. I don't see them losing that. Yeah, I mean, they, they do play Spotswood this week, and that doesn't look like a winnable game. And with Broadway nipping That's at true. their heels, <laughs> they are in some trouble here. If Broadway beats Rockbridge, which... I don't think you think is possible. No, it's not. I think it's possible. I think no. they're playing a lot. Their offense, they have that. They're hot offensively. They can score and then get in a shootout with Rockbridge. So if you don't ever know what's going to happen. So I think Fort better really be cheering for Rockbridge this week. I know Rockbridge is right in front of them and you would think, oh, they want the team in front of them to lose. No, they want Rockbridge to win and make sure Broadway doesn't make up. Really, Fort Defiance's season depends on what happens in that other game. They'll just be watching the scoreboard all night. Yeah, they want them to lose because that tells you what I think of Fort's chances of beating Spotswood is that I said their season was over after they beat Waynesboro. Their season is over. They're going to lose this game, and they just need to be okay with that, and then they need Rockbridge to beat Broadway, which they will because Broadway's not going to beat them. Uh, that's all I'm saying is Fort fans, you might just want to go watch the Rockbridge game because that Fort means more fans, your season than what the Spotswood game does. Fort fans, enjoy the playoffs because you're there. Yeah, that's awesome. That's a good point. Um, we're going to talk a lot about high school volleyball coming up with Patrick Height. So stay tuned for all that. But before we get to all that, let's talk about some pro sports. NFL, we can fly through quickly. The Steelers, uh, you know, have forced the Browns for the sixth time to fire their head coach after they beat them for the second time in a season. And what was surprising, they fired um, – uh, the head coach. They also fired the offensive co coordinator, Todd Haley. So guess who's the head coach, Joe? Defensive coordinator, Greg Williams. Greg Williams. So there's going to be some bounties up coming up for the Browns. Bounty, the up. <laughs> Bounty up, baby. <laughs> yeah. Red Dead Redemption 2 NFL. <laughs> 
How'd your Ravens do this weekend? Uh, they were great, uh, except for the part <laughs> where they had to play. Uh, the defense, the defense was uncharacteristically bad, and I think yeah. that was the most troubling part of that game. Uh, the, you know, I put it here in our notes, offense is what it is. And that's, I mean, the offense is inconsistent week in, week out. So I'm never surprised if the offense doesn't look great. That being said, they put up 21. I know I realized 14 of that was pretty much garbage time, but um, the the defense just didn't do well. Now we did have a lot of really dumb mistakes and a lot of bad turnovers. Uh, that being said, I'm sorry. I saw Lamar Jackson throw a pass in a cr- crucial moment of that game. It was not good. Uh, anyone who is calling for Lamar Jackson to be starting is not watching football. <laughs> Yeah, well, I would like him to start. That would be good for my uh, Steelers. Uh, Skins won. Uh, they did everything they could to leave the Giants in that game. They were only winning 10-3 to entering the fourth, but Peterson ripped off a 60-yard touchdown run to kind of seal that game. And uh, Skins, Skins are going to have a lot of wins ahead of them too. Now, they're probably going to blow one or two of them, but they're still going to be sitting there with a lot of wins when this thing ends. If they lose both games to the Eagles, they will not win the division. They need probably to not, but they they're still going to rack up some wins. They're still yeah, going to rack up some wins. They will, but Fitz magic so is back. will be in play. Fitz magic is back in Tampa. Yes, that was cool. That I did like seeing <laughs> that. I, I don't mind Fitz magic. So it's pretty good. Let's jump to the world series where my predictions overall, uh, beat you out, but you, you know, you jumped over to the socks. They're going in the world series and I couldn't really argue with you last week when you brought that up. They were looking really good, and they kept it going. Uh, watching that series, that Puig three-run homer in game four, I was texting back and forth with you. I was texting forth with my buddy Steve, and he really thought that was a series-changing homer when it happened. And I was like, man, take it easy. I don't know. We'll see. Sure enough, the Red Sox came back, and ever since that, ever since that seventh inning started for them, they tore it up, and they closed that series out. See, I did not respond to you. I, I did tell you why I didn't respond. Um, but yeah, I didn't watch any baseball this weekend. So I didn't do my patented hate watching. I did see the highlights each day, though. And so that was kind of, I don't know, that was like watching something you know you're not going to like because <laughs> you already know the outcome, but you watch it anyway just so you can see how it happened. Um, yeah, Boston's really good. Uh, I, I, I joked when we made the picks last week that I was picking Boston because I hate them the most and that's why they'll win. (laughs) But it's also because I got to see a lot of Boston and I knew that Boston's starters would match up pretty well with LA's and Boston had a better offense than LA. Uh, Let me ask you this Leland. I I touched on this last week. Manny's shenanigans are are one thing that I'm glad I don't have to defend now because he's not an Oriole. Oh man. He's but so dirty. Do you think that comes back to haunt him? Uh, like the not hustling stuff. He had one that would have been a double if he would have ran, but instead he was pimping the trot and it landed yeah. in play and he got held to a single. Uh, he struck out three times in the deciding game and he was the last out of the series. Do you think his, uh, lazy attitude is a negative impact on a clubhouse and teams, either take some dollars off because no, of that. I don't or... think it'll hurt his bank account. I'll, I'll okay. say that. Okay. Well, that was my question. Maybe, maybe in a clubhouse, maybe relationships. Well, maybe but at that point, they don't care. Something. At that point, they don't care. Once he's on the team, yeah. they, I mean, he's going to be the top dog. So you're going to have to deal. He might, I mean, they might have some, you know, clubhouse to figure out situations, but it ain't going to hurt his bank account. Someone's going to pay him. 
too many people I've seen get paid to think any different. Yeah, but this is um, the new age. I'll get back into why I enjoyed watching that later. There's a lot of good stuff about that. Uh, my final point about the World Series, it was weird. The pitching's been weird. All season, coming into playoffs, people starting relievers. And, I mean, the Red Sox put David Price out there a lot. And uh, Iavoli was out there, uh, you know, and pitched six innings in a 19 inning or 18 inning game, which was incredible. I'll say that. I mean, when I can wake up in the middle of the night and the game's still going and then wake up at six and honestly wonder if it is still going, uh, I think that's I I think it was just cool. I know a lot of people are throwing hate at it, but once in a while, that's not the worst thing to ever happen. I well, game three went 18 innings. What do you want him to do? I don't want them to do anything different. I mean, play it out. Someone hit a homer. They go I don't on. have a, when a game goes into extra innings, that's one thing. When the, when the game's nine innings and it takes four hours, that's a whole other conversation to be having. Oh yeah. But, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't have, I, I don't like a really long nine inning game, but if it goes 18, it goes 18. I think people are throwing hate at it. Like I know what we talk about in football with no ties and you kick, uh, I said something about a field goal kicking contest. To you can't have it. that in baseball. You can't do that in baseball. You can't do a home run derby. Just, just let it go. I don't and, like I mean, the softball rule idea either of putting a guy at second. No, I, I think I, that's I, ridiculous. I don't like that. You got to earn your bases, but yeah, yeah, it was, it was, I thought it very entertaining. Eventually like people will run out of pitching and you'll, you'll get, you know, Adrian Gonzalez on the mound or something. And you'll smoke one. All right. I got a question for you. Okay. Who's your fourth team in? Who's your number four team in college football? Oh, my number four team in college football. Yeah, I was looking at this earlier. Um, see, so I think that's where the discussion is. Uh, yes, because Notre Dame is in right now. Yep. And I, I don't think they're that great, but I think they're in. But who, who's your fourth team? My fourth team? Yeah. My fourth team is the Georgia Bulldogs, even though I know LSU is ahead of them and LSU already beat them. I still think Georgia is better than they are. You, so you think LSU will lose to Bama this week, like I do, mm-hmm. and then you think Georgia will lose to Alabama in the SEC championship? Yes, I don't think so they'll Ge- be there. I don't think they'll be in the playoff because of that. But I think Georgia beats Kentucky this week. So then, let me ask a different: Who do you think your fourth team? Who do you think that fourth team will be come second week of December? I know who I want it to be. Who you want it to be? I want it to be UCF. Oh, I don't want that. Let let Cinderella play. I don't want to hear that for a month. Let oh. Cinderella play. I think winner of you, Ohio State, Michigan is going to get it. And I think Ohio State's going to be that uh, team. Are they? I think they're going to get in there. What if Northwestern beats them in the Big Ten <laughs> Championship? I, I'd love it. I, I'm not saying I want, <laughs> I don't Ohio want State in there. I don't want yeah. either one of those teams in it. Oh, yeah. I, I'm not and like I would love for Texas that. to beat Oklahoma and knock that out, too. I just That'd want that's now that Texas. This is, is lost, the scenario, by the way, where UCF gets in. So I'm, get everybody I'm, two losses. Everybody lose. Everybody lose. Because Washington State will have to lose again, though, for that to happen. Uh, will they? Kentucky loses this weekend. Will they? The the team they're going to be playing from the Pac-12 South is not going to be very good. Yeah, but Washington State's not really that good. That's my point. Is Washington State really better than UCF? Because if those two teams played, gonna, I would put my money on UCF. They'll put them in first. They'll put them in first. No, come on. Have a soul. Okay, now I, wanna, I, I, I wanted your UCF top six schedule. predictions. This is what I wanted to do because the 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 playoff committee is doing their top six. Yeah, but I, I think we... Uh, okay, so Bama, Clemson, Notre Dame is both our top threes. Is it? It's... Yes. 
Okay. What do you have Notre Dame to? No, I, I could actually see Notre Dame getting left out of the top four in the initial rankings. They don't have that hard of a schedule the rest of the way. If they get left out here at the they beginning, that they haven't had trouble. that tough of a schedule. Michigan's been really good, and I know they beat, your boys. Like a, they beat a crappy Virginia Tech team. Notre Dame did. So. They did. Virginia Tech might not even go to a bowl. <laughs> so, uh, but you look at it. LSU and Georgia have had tougher schedules. I could see LSU and Georgia being ranked ahead of them. Maybe, maybe if if Notre Dame's because, not in there because the committee knows that will sort itself out. But if Notre Dame. Now, the committee's nightmare is if LSU or Georgia beats Alabama and then they have a tough decision to make. Like, I mean, Bama's going to be that's, in it with one That's loss. their nightmare. Well, yeah, but then, okay, who are you leaving out at that point that you put those two teams ahead because you thought Alabama would take care of both of them for you? You're going to take, you're going to leave LSU in and hope, hope they went out. And then uh, you're going to take the winner of the SEC championship who you're, is banking on being Alabama. So you're going to put two SEC So let me in. ask you this. Let me ask you this. Let's say, Let's say LSU beats Alabama. I don't think it's going to happen, but let's say it happens. Okay. Then let's say Georgia wins out. And, and beats Georgia, Alabama. If Alabama has two losses, they're going to be in there. In Georgia, no. Alabama won't play Georgia. Oh, yeah, they'll play LSU. And then God, Georgia beats be LSU in the rematch in the SEC championship. Are you going to say, are you going to look at LSU and be like, mm, sorry, <laughs> like, you're out. Alabama's in. Uh, oh, man, what? Hey, they did that to, like, uh, Penn State. Or did they just put all three of those teams in with Clemson and just tell Notre Dame, sorry? <laughs> I don't know. The thing is, going back to Notre Dame, I think Notre I think Dame they would leave Clemson out over in that mess. I think Clemson would get left out because I don't think Clemson – who's Clemson played? Every, now, it's not Clemson's fault that everyone in the ACC is falling apart like a house of cards, but – They're just a mile ahead in the ACC. They are truly the only team that matters in the ACC. Next week, jumping back to high school, we're going to get into this scheduling. This week, if you're listening to us, read the article from Newsleader about scheduling and how hard it is for the ADs. I'm sure Joe will tell all the ADs how to properly do their job next week. Actually, but we are going to talk about it next week. I, I wanted to talk about it this week. We're going to move on. We'll come back to it next week. Well, can I just Stick say, before we move on, really quickly, I actually don't have too much criticism of the ad's in this story i read it and i was like yeah that makes sense to me this is the first this is the first time That's yeah it. scheduling is hard because you have to do it years in advance usually and your bye weeks do matter i'll give you a week to come up with how they're wrong i'm probably not going <laughs> to do that there's only one that i think there's and it's actually the hardest one there's only one yeah. thing i think could help riverheads and that's All if right. they didn't have their bye week week one but so riverheads fans <laughs> Listen in next week to hear to hear what's up. Uh, that's our teaser for next week. Stick around. We got Patrick Height next. We're talking about volleyball. We got a nice amount to talk about there. We got a lot of action there going into region championships, region tournaments, and then we'll be back with fun in the D block. All right, we're now joined by Patrick Height of the Newsletter, returning guest of the Yak Sports Podcast. Patrick, thanks for jumping on here with us. Hey, thanks for having me on. And we want you on because we want to know more about volleyball, and there's been lots of happenings here with the districts wrapping up and go, everything going into region. So first off, Shenandoah District wrapped up. East Rock won the title. Uh, you were there. Tell us about it. Well, East Rock is is an impressive team. I Wilson, of course, the defending state champs. I think East Rock has 
every right to think that they could win the state championship this year. Michaela Jones uh, was named district player of the year following the, uh, the tournament championship game. Uh, she is, she is legit. She is tough to stop. Wilson struggled with her all night. Um, and, and East Rock is just very, very good. Wilson, you know, Wilson last year was solid all the way around this year. They're, they're very good team and they've got a couple of excellent players, but they're not as deep as they were last year. And that is the problem. And then of course, um, you know, I, I don't know how much uh, we pull the curtain back here, but we're, we are recording this Monday night after the, uh, after the championship match in that game, uh, two, uh, their, their two best players are, are Paris Hutchinson and Cassidy Davis, both first team, all Shenandoah district. Cassidy Davis went down in the third set of, uh, the championship match with some type of knee injury, but we're not going to speculate what that was. Maybe it's a, a sprained knee. Uh, maybe it's worse. Maybe she, from what she was carried off the court, uh, she finally came back. They they put her in like one of these rolly like office chairs and they rolled her back in <laughs> uh, when she got her when she got her award for first team district. They rolled her out to the court. So she didn't walk at all on that knee. I, I think it's very, very optimistic to think she would be back Thursday night for the regional opener. Uh, I think the best hope for Wilson is to get her back next week for the they can beat Strasburg they play Strasburg Thursday night in the uh, the region and they'll host that Wilson still the, uh, they host that they're the top seed in the region despite losing uh, on uh, even even they though they lost Monday night to the championship that was already set it was the regular season Shenandoah district champ they are the top seed they will host Strasburg um, they will likely I would think beat Strasburg even without Cassidy Davis. So then the question becomes next week, is Davis back or is this injury more significant? And we'll just have to wait and see on that. But that was, that was a blow for them. Uh, they, they lost uh, the, the first set. East Rock really just dominated. Uh, Michaela Jones was impressive. Uh, they could not, uh, Wilson could not find a way to hit past uh, East Rock's block. And it was really just not, um, not close down the stretch. The next three sets were close. Wilson won the second, uh, 25-23. The next two were close, but every point Wilson got, they had to fight for it. And that just, I think that just took a toll on them physically, emotionally. And then when you see uh, one of your teammates go down with an injury, that, that hurts you emotionally too. And, and more than emotionally, it, it hurt them because the, one of their best players is now on the bench. So I, I don't know. I, this Wilson team is, is very good, but a lot – depends on if Cassidy Davis comes back, how far they can go this year. So they play Strasburg Thursday, and then who do they face after that? Like, with the winner of what game? Well, then they would uh, – everything else is not set because the Bull Run District is just in their semifinals on Monday night, and they oh, wow. determine their seedings. All, I, I talked to somebody at Clark County today, and they determine their seedings by the district tournament championship. Okay. So – they're not set at all other than Strasburg being for Strasburg got knocked out in the first round by Rappahannock County. Um, the, the thing is Rappahannock County is down in uh, uh, class one. Uh, so they'll be actually down there with Riverheads. Um, and so because of that, because uh, they need four teams, Strasburg is the fourth team in. So we know Strasburg is the fourth seed. We don't know the top three at this point. So who else from the Shenandoah uh, district is going into that region tournament? Well, East Rock will be in, of course. 
Yeah. Um, and then Robert E. Lee and Stuart Strafter, your other two teams. Uh, East Rock will host on Thursday night. Yep. Uh, we don't know who they host yet. Um, but Lee and Stu Straff will both be on the road. It's likely Madison County is the top team out of that bowl run right now. They they had one loss uh, coming in. They look really tough. Um, if I had to guess, I'm, I'm going to say Stu Straff probably heads to Madison, but it might be George Mason, the second seed. Um, and Lee would probably be at the other team. So, Well, Patrick, um, and, it sounds... And they both look... Stuart's draft, you know, for a stretch there, they won about eight out of nine. They look really good. They swept. This is the... Volleyball is one of those sports I, I just can't figure out sometimes. Hmm. Stuart's draft swept East Rock uh, late in the season. Wow. I still don't know how that happened. <laughs> well, because uh, Stuart's draft's good, but not. I'm not sure they're that good. But so they won eight out of nine, and then all of a sudden they lost their final uh, regular season match to Wilson. Uh, then they lost to Lehigh in the opener of the Shenandoah District Tournament. Wow. Huh. Um, and so they're really having to figure out, uh, they've had a lot of time off to kind of think about that. We'll, we'll see how they respond. Well, you're talking about East Rock and them kind of dominating Wilson, who a lot of people maybe had as the district favorite uh, going into this year, coming off a state championship. I know you mentioned Madison County, but who would you say, other than Wilson, who, again, I, I know there was an injury tonight, but it sounds like East Rock was in control before that injury as well. Who would you say is the biggest challenge to East Rock getting that state championship? Well, um, I, I would think it may come from uh, from the bull run. I think you know if, if you're not gonna, if if you said we've already said Madison, I think George Mason could be a really really good team. I've seen George Mason over the years; they've had a solid volleyball team, um, and they they could be a challenge to, to East Rock. Um, the, the advantage for East Rock is if they can keep it in Elkton, if they can keep playing and, and keep you know keep playing in Elkton, then, then that's going to help them a lot. But, um, but I really don't see anybody else out of the Shenandoah as challenging East Rock. Uh, even though Stewart's draft swept them, I just, I think that's, I don't see, I see that happening again. Um, and, and Lee High has just been so up and down this year. I, I don't think they can challenge East Rock. So really if, if East Rock is going to be challenged, uh, it's going to come from a healthy Wilson team or one of those top two teams out of the bull run, Madison or George Mason. Is that even at the state level, you would think, the best chance for them to lose is in the region? You've you've got to look. I I, I haven't looked around the state as much. Uh, Radford has got to be, you know, Radford's the team that uh, that Wilson beat for the state title last year. They're certainly a a contender again this season, uh, and that's going to be tough. Um, So when you you get out of of the region, um, you know, I I think it's going to be a lot more difficult for East Rock, but they've got all the parts. They've got some, some solid defense. They've got the hitter that you need in Michaela Jones. They've got everything you need to win a state championship. And, and I think they could do, I I think they could do that. All right, Patrick. So we've covered the Shenandoah pretty well. We might jump back and talk about Riverheads in a second, but let's jump over to the Valley district. You know, Fort got a big win against Spotswood and that put them into the championship but then they fell short against Rockbridge. Talk a little bit about how uh, that Region 3C is turning up now that we know Rockbridge is the uh, Valley District champion and Fort Defiance is second. Yeah, Fort Defiance, the, the thing with the, the Spotswood win, I think that gave them um, some that – that was encouraging for Fort Defiance because they had lost to Spotswood in the regular season. To, to win that game was huge, and it gave them a home match on uh, Wednesday night. They will host Brookville. Fort goes in as the fourth seed in that region. They'll host number five, Brookville. Uh, I think that's that's good. Obviously, you don't want to have to travel if you can avoid it. So Fort at least gets the one home match. But they're gonna they're gonna end up facing Rock 
if, if they can win that, they're going to end up facing Rockbridge again down down the road. And I, I just I don't I don't think they have an answer for Rockbridge this year. Rockbridge is is very very good. Uh, Rockbridge is a team last year that knocked Fort out, uh, knocked them, beat them in the Valley District tournament, beat them in the regions. I think Rockbridge is every bit as good as they were last season, and I don't think Fort's quite there. Uh, Fort Fort has been up and down. They have uh, um, uh, Casey Mazingo, who is a really good player, who was hurt for part of the season with a shoulder injury. Uh, she's kind of come back from that now. Um, they struggled when when they did not have her for a few games. They've got a few other you know, talented players. Maddie Painter um, is, is their setter, and she's she's very very good. But this four team, I'm just not sure they they have enough to get out of that region. Um, that region is so tough. I've I've said for years that Fort couldn't get out of that region when they had Megan Good. I'm not sure how they ever get out of, <laughs> out of that region. Uh, that region is just loaded with volleyball. If you look down through the Lynchburg and Roanoke areas, they just have so many good volleyball teams and and those players just play on some elite travel teams throughout the year uh it's it's tough for for these teams in this area to to match uh those programs talk about some of these other players on fort uh you know the seniors that are leaving but you know if if we don't have a great outlook on what they could do you know who's going to be coming back next year for fort well yeah they lose they lose so many so many seniors this year that that is going to be the uh uh, the the problem uh, with them because you know I think you know when you look at you look at those seniors I mean Jesse Jesse Hole has stepped up this uh, this year um, and and played well um, but Maddie Painter is back next year she seems like she's been around for uh, forever but uh, she is um, she's only a junior this season so she will <laughs> be back and and I think she uh, she could be yeah she could be one of the uh, the top players in the district uh, next year because um, she really She's been playing volleyball since she was uh, young. She plays on uh, a great travel team. Um, so I really am looking forward to seeing her next season. The question becomes, you know, who, who is around her uh, next year? And if you look at this, uh, if, if you look at their roster, um, they've got a good freshman in, um, in uh, 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 Gogan, uh, Gogan, G-O-G-G-I-N. Uh, she's a freshman. She she had up and down moments this year, but when she was up, she was really good. She played really well this year. Uh, Kirsten Garber is uh, only a sophomore this year. She'll be back next year, so she'll be she'll be solid. So they'll have a, a few parts around her. Uh, Jordan Schultz had some really good games this year for Fort, and she's only a sophomore, so she, so she's going to be back. But but again, you look at the seniors that they lose, and they lose um they lose Mazingo, they lose Hall, uh, they lose Katie Kramer. Uh, who, who has been uh, excellent for them at times this year. Uh, they, they lose Kaylin Nestor, Nestor. So they, they lose a lot of talent. Uh, and, and, you know, Sue Leonard, uh, if, if Sue Leonard decides to come back, Sue, I think Sue Leonard considers retirement every year now, but <laughs> if she decides to come back, she's going to have to, uh, to replace some, some talent. And, and I'll, you know, and I'll be curious to see the one advantage they have, they drop down to the Shenandoah district next year um they'll play in the shenandoah district it's not dropping down though they're still in class three but they'll play out of the shenandoah district so um they won't have to worry about you know rock bridge and spotswood um and and these and turner ash being these really really solid teams out of the valley district sounds like they'll still worry about east rock and uh, wilson though yeah but. i think uh, i think east rock and, and wilson and of course they've got a good little rivalry going with wilson uh the last couple of years uh they've both yeah. uh, 
they split in the regular season both years. Um, and those those teams have played really well. Uh, you know, Wilson, we talk about all the seniors on Fort Wilson has one senior this year. Uh, everybody else is back next year. But Wilson is moving up to, to class three next year. They'll still be in the Shenandoah district, but they'll be up there with Fort and, and have to worry about uh, uh, about this region C next year. Uh, Wilson, it'll be a, it'll be a different uh, postseason for Wilson next season. Well, I know you said you don't want to speculate, but let's let's do a little speculating, Patrick. I'm gonna put sure, you on the spot a little bit. Okay, let's say it's fine. reckless reckless speculation. Yeah, let's say Wilson's injury is serious and she's not able to come back for the region tournament. How far do you think Wilson can expect to go in that region tournament without her? Um, you know, I really think without her, they may lose the second game of the region. Um, wow. I, I don't know if they can get past that game without her um you know i i I don't think they can win a regional championship without her i don't think there's any question about that she's that good and she's that big a part of that team um and and if and if we're speculating you know from what i saw tonight just watching that injury the injuries i've seen over the years to see how she to see how she came down to see immediately she went to her knee i have concerns that she will will not be back but Mm. You know, the stranger things have happened, and maybe she will. But without her, they are in a lot of trouble, and I'm not sure they make it past the second round. All right, real quick, just want to get a kind of an update on Riverheads. Riverheads goes to the 1B region, and they, you know, a, a list of different schools than what we've already talked about. Uh, you know, they'll be there with Rappahannock County, who you already mentioned, um, Alta they Vista, are. Cumberland. Looks like Riverheads is going to be the top seed down there. Yep, Riverheads is the uh, top seed. Uh, which means they will be at home up until states. Um, they host William Campbell on Thursday night to get things started. I, I really think they could be a legitimate threat to, uh, yeah, definitely to make it to states. Um, right. Winning states, I don't know. I, I, it's one of those things. I haven't looked around the rest of the state enough in, in class one to know what kind of competition's out there. But I think they could certainly be uh, in the state tournament because the Shenandoah District, and not just in volleyball, in every sport, is one of the better districts in in uh, class two, and the Riverheads' advantage is that they play in that district. They're competitive, more than competitive, in a lot of sports in that district. And so when they get to postseason, that's almost a step down for them. It, the The competition they see is nowhere near what they saw during the regular season, and it just makes it makes their path to the state. A lot easier, and that's not taking anything away from Riverheads. I think that's just saying how good the Shenandoah District is in a lot of these sports. Yeah, um, and it's an advantage. It, it really does help Riverheads to to play those games all season, and then you know you, know, you step into the, the postseason, and wow, you're all of a sudden like, wow, this yeah. is not nearly as difficult as I thought it was going to be. Yeah. Um, so I, I think Riverheads it, it, to see them in the state this year is not going to surprise me at all, um, and and they're really good. I mean, they. Uh, uh, they have um, Abby Abby Evers and uh, Emma Tomlinson, who both made first team um, Shenandoah District uh, volleyball uh, on Monday night. Were named to the first team. Uh, those two players are phenomenal to watch. Um, Dayton Moore is their setter. She's she's really good. Um, I I like this team a lot, and they they have played some of the uh, the top teams in the Shenandoah very very tough. This year, they they could not beat East Rock. They could not beat Wilson, but they played both of those teams uh, close and, and tough. And I think they're going to have a long run in the postseason. 
All right, Patrick. Well, what we've started to make a tradition here is asking people what they're binge watching. We'll ask you this question as well. What are you getting into? I mean, you're busy with volleyball and football and all that, but when you're not writing for the newsletter, what are you what are you watching these days? Okay, so I have started watching a show that is has been around forever, uh, for at least I think eight or nine seasons. So, so I'm going to sound like I am way behind, and I am way behind. I'll admit that. But I was looking around Netflix the other day for a show, and I said, you know what? Everybody talks about Walking Dead and how great this show is. I've, I've never been a zombie guy. I've never been into that kind. But I said, let me just watch it. Because I was a big Lost guy. I loved Lost. There you, you know, go. I, some, I heard something was suspenseful. And so I said, <laughs> let, me, let me check it out. And so the first couple of shows I watched, I was watching it on my laptop, sitting up uh, in, in our living room. And my wife was watching something else. And she'd occasionally look at me and, and she'd be like, what, what are you doing? Because I'd have my face turned from the screen. <laughs> kinda, it, it's it's it is um, a very gross show, right? Yeah, it's it's quite explicit as far as the gore on that show. Yeah, so I didn't think I could make it past that, but the suspense has kept me there. I'm into yeah. second into the second season now. Oh, into um, the, the second season, there's a there's a spot that like that it'll hook you. It'll hook you for two more seasons. I remember. Uh, I'm not. I'm not going to even allude to what it is, but there's a scene, and it it just gets you. And uh, okay. You'll sign up for two more seasons automatically. Okay, well, we'll, we'll see. I, I, I've made it to season two, and I really, really am a. Uh, I, I'm enjoying it. It's it, a little too gross for me at times, but I just turn my head and keep going because it just seems like at the end of every episode, something happens that that brings yeah. me back for the next one. So they do well with it. So well during the first few seasons, they do so well with it. But yeah, at the end of season two, uh, it, it has to do with a barn. It's the best. Yeah. Okay, well that'll. Be- <laughs> I, I'm looking forward to that. At, at some point, I'm assuming you know I've, I've keep reading that that ratings are down for that show, and so I'm, I'm figuring some point late in the the show, I'm gonna gonna start to tune out. But uh, right yeah. now, I'm really I'm I'm enjoying it right now. So yeah, they don't they don't jump the shark too bad. Like Joe Namath doesn't come uh, guest star at any point, so it's not. <laughs> so Joe bad. Namath is not a uh, zombie <laughs> guest guest zombie at some point. But uh, no, no, I'm enjoying that show, and uh, like I said, it's. It's tough to avoid spoilers, you know, because oh, yeah. but I, I guess it's not really because nobody's really talking about season one and season two <laughs> at this point. So, uh, that, that is true. Like <laughs> no one. I mean, there's people back when I, I was watching, I was a little closer and it was like people were rooting for people to die. And, and the satisfaction <laughs> was they would. And it was great. Uh, so you'll get there. You'll get there. <laughs> but uh, that, right now, that is what I'm watching. So. All right. Well, Patrick, um, uh, before we let you go, I do want to touch on something. You mentioned, you know, you might be tuning out there at the end because ratings keep going down. So you, you're able to do that. See, I'm the opposite. Once I've, yeah. there's like a threshold, like yeah. after three seasons or four seasons, I, I'm in at that point. Like even if I start to hate the show, I'm like, well, I've made it this far. Might as well see how it is. Yeah. <laughs> like you talked about it last week, like hate watching, hate watching. <laughs> I'm a professional hate. Watcher. Yeah, I, I guess, you know, it's weird. I, I've got a few shows that I've never made it to the end of uh, Mad Men is one of those shows. Um, oh, see, I can never get into that. Really, yeah, I, 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 I really enjoyed either. the first several seasons. I really liked it. And then at some point, I, I just I, I don't know. I, I, it's not that I started disliking it. It was just I lost a little bit of interest in it and I stopped watching it. and I never yeah. went back. So I have no idea how that show is that show even is that over? It's no, done. it's over. It's, it's gotta over. be right. So I have yeah. no idea how it ended, but I made it through about uh, I don't know three or four seasons I think, and it's I enjoyed it, but I just lost interest. 
it's funny you make that comment, Joe, because Walking Dead is one of the few shows that I've ever given up on. And it really, I mean, it was probably some interest level. Like we were fighting through it there for a while, but having kids and un- being unable to watch a show that, you know, watch a show that kids can't watch became a big problem in my house. So <laughs> all the, all of my good shows, luckily some of them in like justified and some other things ended at the right time. But yeah, Walking Dead, we had to give up on, but yeah, I, I still would, even the next season after I would still read the synopsis like the next day after they aired just to see what was happening. But yeah, it's good. Well, but it, 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 it's interesting. My wife is a big fan of like uh, true crime stuff. She'll watch all these, um, yeah. ID, whatever it is, Mr. Yeah. ID thing. I don't know. And, and I'm always telling her that those are just the stupidest shows ever. How can you sit there and watch it? And so then when she found out I was watching walking uh, dead, she was like, yeah, you can never say anything about my <laughs> shows again. Cause this is just gross. And, and, uh, it, it, not nothing I watch comes close to that. So I always just right. figure she. I always figure she just watched shows on math and algebra all the time. That's what I always picture. So <laughs> do they even have shows on? Math? I, I don't know. But, uh, for everybody else, uh, Patrick's wife was my uh, algebra teacher in eighth grade. So that's that's why I have that uh, messed up image of what she watches at home. So. She's still an algebra teacher now at Wilson Memorial High School. So oh, I didn't go. know she moved over. That's good. Yeah, yeah, she's been at Wilson now for a long time. But huh? I have no bias against to Wilson. So I just. Uh huh. I'm not. I'm not biased toward Wilson at all because of that. Um, You're not charmed to, because she uh, works there or anything. I do have to be nice to them <laughs> somewhat because I, you know, I don't want to get her in any kind of trouble. Right. Right. <laughs> well, thank you, Patrick, for joining us again. We appreciate it, and uh, you know, I'm sure we'll be having you on here again as the high school uh, sports get ready to cycle into winter. Yeah, I'm uh, looking forward to it, and uh, basketball season's just around the corner. I love basketball, so uh, that should uh, should be fun. All right, well, you just thanks. can't come on here talking about the Tar Heels. That's the only rule. Wow. <laughs> okay, no mention <laughs> of the Tar Heels. <laughs> All right, Patrick, thanks for coming on with us, man. Hey, thanks for having me. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. Now we're in the D block. And that's always the one where we usually have fun. But Leland, <laughs> I got a story for you that's pretty big in the sports world. Um, and I guess depending on your sport preferences, you may or may not have heard about it. Uh, it I know it did get some play on ESPN. I've gotten quite a few ESPN alerts, but I also have. No, yeah, it's a big story. I also have soccer alerts. But the owner of Leicester City... Uh, football club over in England died in a helicopter crash very close to the stadium, actually. Uh, and you might be thinking, wow, that kind of stinks. Why, um, you know, uh, other than the fact that it's a team owner dying, you know, why does this matter? Well, this owner did bring a lot of hope to a football club that had none. Uh, this is a football club that ascended quickly after he became part of the ownership team. They won a championship in a league where underdogs are not built to succeed. Uh, if you think baseball is unfair, take a look at English uh, soccer sometime. It, the same teams, there is no salary cap, and teams buy and sell people at will. Um, and the top clubs have all the money, so it's really hard for an underdog to succeed let alone win the championship this owner was part of that ownership group that brought a title to Leicester and unfortunately uh, he died in a helicopter crash and you know the 
support. I think the nice thing to see is support from the other teams yeah. in the leagues. Yeah. And that, that is good to see. And, you know, I'm not really familiar with this happening in soccer. You hear about this, like in NASCAR where the owners are flying into races mm-hmm. on helicopters and stuff. You've heard about these crashes and stuff. So, uh, crazy to hear at any major sport and definitely a, a sad time, uh, for the family and the fans of that team and, and everybody involved and everybody in the league kind of makes you realize what's important. Uh, you know, it's all surrounding a game. Everybody thinks really important, but you know, life matters a lot more. So all right, Leland, let's we will, try to move on to something happy. <laughs> yeah. I will rely on you. What is dominating your life that is going to make us happier? I got three kids. It's October. Halloween is dominating my life. We've been building costumes trying costumes on and wearing costumes. And uh, my family had a great time uh, Saturday, downtown Stanton. Uh, Stanton has the great stuff. The downtown trick-or-treating is just so cool. It's so cool for families. Growing up, I never thought, you know, raising a family in Stanton was what I wanted to do. But every weekend there's something going on in Stanton. And then the Halloween, they close down the street and it's awesome. It's safe and it's fun. We dressed up like uh, the characters from the movie Twister. My oldest uh, in kindergarten, she loves the movie Twister. It is so happy for me that she loves it. We watch it probably at least once a week. She says lines to it. It's just spectacular. So when she said, yeah, we should go that as Halloween, my wife and I looked at each other like, yes, we'll do that. And uh, of course my wife made awesome costumes and uh, we entered a contest downtown and it's just, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, People got a kick out of uh, my, my uh, middle child, my daughter uh, in a tornado costume, which was a tomato, um, uh, a tomato stand uh, covered in, uh, I'm not even explaining it right. That's how creative it is. But she looks like a tornado <laughs> and there's a cow in it and there's a tractor trailer and it's incredible. Question. So it's fun. S- a lot of fun. Question. How do you spell Halloween? I don't know. I just spell it wrong every time I try to write it. Hopefully my daughter knows how to how to type it. And how to you were close. Right. You just needed to switch your first O to an A in our notes. <laughs> it's all Hallow's Eve, huh? Yeah. But All yeah, right, so, I agree. Um, unfortunately, I don't get a lot of trick or treaters, so I don't have to worry about the candy aspect. But you you don't have the uh, the uh, it's not Emory and Henry. Who's the who's the team that we made so much fun of being outside of your Robert Morris? Yeah, those kids yeah, you don't, don't have come the by my Morris door. Coming up. No, the Robert Morris kids <laughs> don't come by my door. It's kind of disappointing. <laughs> so, Joe, what is something that you know that we all need to know? Uh, Jarvis Vaughn came back available on the basketball recruiting trail. He is decommitted from ODU. Uh, Monmouth has an offer out there. Uh, JMU and Radford both very interested in. They have them on the table, yeah. In Jarvis, and then apparently he's talking to Appalachian State as well. Um, yeah. So, out of those, where do you want him to go? Where do I want him to go? I want him to go to JMU. Yeah. But me too. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's kind of interesting. Uh, I would say out of those programs, uh, probably Radford has the most potential to get back to a tournament but yeah i mean they get there like every six years they cycle in a trip to the tourney which is fun but uh yeah i want jmu i want him travel right up the road i think that'd be awesome yeah i do too i just don't know how often he's gonna make the tournament with us but you know whatever he can be the next he could he can take him there It'll he be could awesome. be the next kid that comes to JMU. get on the train and... we're gonna ride the train with jarvis at jmu sure we saw that a year ago two years ago or a year and a half ago now uh Everybody's riding the train when they were uh, earning their state bid. Got to do it again. That was the luckiest. Oh, R.E. Lee. Yes. R.E. Okay. Lee, yeah. Oh, I Which thought we were talking about JMU's 
no, no, run no, no. to the tournament because I was going to say, yeah, there were a lot of things that factored into JMU being able to make the tournament that year. I'm but, not talking Matt Brady here, so. Yeah, I was going to say, if we're still talking JMU, uh, <laughs> folks, make a note. This is going to be another Joe was right, positive Leland was wrong. But uh, Leland, what do you know that we need to know? I know that I really enjoyed watching the World Series, and I know you have your issues with those teams. And But I thought, even though it was a five-game series, I thought it was really full of drama. I thought um, I liked the emotion coming out of the players. I enjoyed a lot about it. Every night, I was, I was watching every pitch, and I'm not a fan of either one of the teams, and I think that series was good for baseball. I think you being a really big baseball fan for 162 games, which I'm a big fan of baseball, but I don't watch my team every night like you do. So I think people like you probably didn't watch because you hate the Red Sox or don't like the Dodgers, but I think a lot of people like me that enjoy the game and probably, like, I think my mom was paying attention to it more so just because it was Boston and L.A. and two familiar teams. I think it was great for Major League Baseball. I heard a lot of complaints about time of start of these games. I just wish either they started it right at 8 o'clock, like go, go, go at 8, or just move it up to 7. I don't I don't know. It just seemed like you would want your yawn viewers to see the end of some of these games. And maybe particularly, maybe not the weeknight games. Start those at 8. That's fine. But those weekend games, the Friday, Saturday, Sunday, start them a little bit earlier. If the game is on the West Coast, I understand the need to play it at 8 o'clock. But they do it when, when it's all East Coast. When the game is on the East Coast, you need to play it at 7. I'm sorry. This I had the same reaction last year, and though that was an amazing series. That series was better than this series. And I'm not saying that just because the team was was the team's playing in it. Um, But it was a seven game series that went all the way to the end. It was thrilling. Most of those games went extra innings. Uh, And look, when the game goes long and we've already talked about this, when the game goes long because of extras, that's one thing. When the game goes long, because one, you start it too late and two, your game, your sport is designed to take a long time and teams find ways to slow it down. That's another conversation to be having. But yeah, you're right. I did not get super into this World Series. It was hard for me to get into this World Series. I get why it's not for people like you and other, you know, just general fans. And I'm not saying that's right or wrong. Major League Baseball is going to love it because ratings are up. That's fine. <laughs> I don't know if I'm just a general fan. I'm a Pirates fan. So I have to, <laughs> if I want to watch baseball, I have to keep watching other teams. <laughs> yeah. Um, look, that's going to be me. Uh, so I get that. But it It is a little upsetting whenever your rival wins a championship. Boston is a rival of the Baltimore Orioles. Uh, and Boston's doing it the right way in building their franchise. I wish someone for Baltimore would take a look at that, but, you know, whatever. I mean, I think everybody can take notes from that. I mean, they're a really well-built team. And you think about what Boston was before, built by Theo Epstein, and now they're rebuilt with different people. I mean, they only have one guy, uh, I guess Xavier Bogarts, that was playing here this year that was on. Xander Bogarts. Xander, yeah. um, Sorry. (laughs) And, uh, you know, he was the only one that was on the other team. I think it's interesting that they've been able to rebuild it. That's what money can do for you. But it is a lot of homegrown talent there. They've added the right pieces um, yeah, if you're going to spend money, that's great notes, but also not just diving all the way into Moneyball and using that, but then also, you know, just managing, balancing everything. I think, uh, a lot of people could take a lot of notes. 
The thing I'll say, though, we said this about the Cubs a couple years ago. We said this about Houston last year. Not that either of those teams are gone and gone away, but I think there's a lot of great teams out there right now. Those teams that I just mentioned and the Yankees, I mean, it's a, it's a lot of good baseball out there. No, the Yankees are ridiculous. Uh, ESPN put out their way too early baseball power rankings, and they sh- it is way too early for someone to be doing what they're doing when they make those power rankings. Yeah, there's no winter meetings yet, yeah. There's no winter meetings, and they're just... Look, they had the Astros number one, which, okay, I get. They're going to keep a lot of that core together still. They're still very good. They just ran into a buzzsaw in Boston this year. Um, Number two was the New York Yankees, which for the life of me, I will not understand. Or, yeah, number two was the Yankees. I I don't understand that. Are the Yankees magically going to not strike out as much? Uh, Is CeCe Sabathia going to get in a time machine and get, five years younger. I mean, what are we talking? Where are the Yankees going to get better? They have the same players, uh, except D.D. Gregorius may be hurt for a portion of next year. So, okay. I mean, how many games did the Yankees win this year? It, yeah, I mean, I, I they can't the win a I'm World Series. They're not better than Boston. I, I know, but like, we didn't think anybody was going to be overtake Houston. And then the Boston Red Sox did this year. Like the Yankees will go buy somebody and get better. Like, no, <laughs> yeah, they will. <laughs> That's the reason you hate them. They're going to go buy somebody and get better. I don't know. We'll see uh, the There's way they are constructed, the way they are constructed right now. No. Yeah. And there had been winter meetings and, and none of that's happened. So way too early to really dive too deep into that. I agree. I, I still think Boston uh, I hate when ESPN or anyone does that kind of stuff, but uh, I don't know how you see what Boston did this year and go, oh, yeah, Boston's not the favorite. Hey, it gave a couple of guys from Augusta County a couple minutes of something to talk about, and that's exactly what they want because no, no, no one is talking about baseball again until Christmas when winter meetings are. Cool. Cool. All right, well, it's been a fun co- podcast this week. Uh, everybody listening, follow, subscribe, interact with us. We'll be back to talk a lot more about the high school playoffs next week and uh, give some updates on what we think and what's going on with volleyball. We'll know a little bit more of what's happening out there at Wilson. And uh, we look forward to talking to you guys again next week. Oh, yeah. And one more thing. Joe and I will be on Facebook Live on Friday talking about PowerPoints. I know uh, we glazed past them right now, but we have a schedule of what's going to happen and what means what. So come Friday when we start getting results, we're going to be on Facebook Live for the Yak Sports, um, you know, PowerPoint breakdown. And uh, so everybody's going to know what's going to happen for playoffs next week. And we're going to be uh, some of the first voices putting it out there. And uh, obviously nothing will be official until VHL, VHSL says it is, but we're going to give you an idea of what you'll hear from them on Monday. You've been listening to Yak Sports, your Augusta County sports podcast.